The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. I'm sure we all, or a lot of us, remember the days before sat-nav. And do you remember the conversations that used to take place in cars? The driver. Why didn't you tell me we had to turn left back there? The passenger. You were driving too fast. You didn't give me a chance to tell you. Let's face it, we're lost. No, we aren't. I'll find my way out of here. Why don't you stop and ask someone away? No need to do that. I'm sure I'm headed in the right direction. Don't you know how to read a map? Let's pull over and I'll look at the map. (laughs) Happy days. Many a long car journey ending in a tense silence. This morning's reading takes us back further than that. The Magi, wise men, scholars, non-Jews, probably from somewhere around Saudi Arabia, They weren't reliant on maps or sat-nav, but a star. And when they arrived in the capital city, which is where they would have thought the king would have been born, uh, they asked the question, Where is he who is born born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star, and the older verses say, in the east, and have come to worship him. I always wondered when it said in the east what that really meant, because if they were to the east of the Jordan, and they saw the star in the east, and they followed the star in the east, they'd have ended up in India. (laughs) But they didn't. 
the reason that the translation was slightly wrong is that um, when the original English translation was put together, they used the word east. But actually in Hebrew, the same word is used for rising. So the version we had this morning was, we saw his star when it rose. So that's a better translation, really, of what happened. Now, the, the gospel writers couldn't include everything about Jesus, but they wanted to make it clear that this newborn king of the Jews was to be honoured and worshipped by all, rich and poor, Jew and non-Jew. Clearly, we are reading, as we know, about a very special baby. The Magi were overjoyed. They bowed down and worshipped. They recognised they were in the presence of Almighty God. So much of what we read about the Nativity story was written by the prophets of Israel many years before. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your, of your dawn, says Isaiah. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him, we read in Psalms. Now over Christmas, we have had literally hundreds of visitors to the many services held here at the parish church and at the church centre. Were they, as with the Magi, drawn by a baby in a manger to bow down and worship? Or were there a whole bunch of other emotions at play? To relive a childhood when life was simpler and more secure? To remember loved ones no longer with us? Maybe just to get in the mood for Christmas. Whatever the motives, and don't get me wrong, I'm not criticising, it is great the folk feel able to come to church at this time of the year. But... Having enjoyed the tradition and warmth of the moment, the baby in a manger can be put away until next year. According to the carols, he is gentle, mild, weak, helpless. No threat to lifestyles or way of living. Everyone returns to real life in January, accompanied by a desire to lose weight, get fit, drink less, and to spend less once the credit card bills drop on the mat. So how could this nativity story have so affected the world in which we live that there are now more than 2.2 billion people professing to follow Christ today? Later on, in Matthew's Gospel, as the baby Jesus has grown up and he reaches the age of 30, we read that he begins his ministry in Galilee. And later on, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, we move on to Matthew chapter 5 and we read about the Beatitudes and then a whole series of teachings by Jesus that were revolutionary and have profoundly influenced Western civilization. Teachings on murder and hatred, adultery and lust, revenge, love for enemies, giving to the poor, prayer and fasting, storing up treasure in heaven, teaching about anxiety and not judging others. And he ends his teaching with this very vivid picture of two gates and two roads. And we find this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And this is what he says. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And the question I have for this morning is this. At the beginning of this new year, which gate have you gone through and which road are you on? The Magi followed the star and at the end of their journey they found the saviour of the world. What will you find at the end of the road 
you are on. Notice there are only two roads. One leads to life and the other to destruction. There's no third road. Every human being starts their journey in life on the broad road. Elsewhere, the Bible puts it another way. We read that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We read that the wages of sin is death. Original sin has put us all in the same position, that of being enemies of God, not the other way around. And because of this, we are already heading down the broad road. And if we do not find the narrow road that leads to life, but Jews choose to stay on the broad road, then Jesus says destruction is inevitable. So, is there a way to avoid the inevitable? Yes, there is. We thought about it already this morning. That's to repent. Although it is an act of will on our part, the instant we decide to do this, the love of God floods in and we move into a new life. Our journey changes. Instead of a wide road with no boundaries, we find that the narrow road and we find a man with a cross. God has made a way for us to return to him and it lies in the sacrifice of his son Jesus. One of the Old Testament prophets put it this way. We all like sheep have gone astray. We're on the wrong road. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the sin of us all. In other words, if we trust Jesus, he will lead us down the narrow road to everlasting life. I really believe there are some folk here today who recognize that they are on the broad road. And if you're one of those people and you want to find a narrow road, then the good news is that you can begin now. You can begin today. However, it is not the same as joining a gym or Weight Watchers where you can drop out by spring when the going gets a bit tough. This is about a complete change of direction and going down a road that leads to life and not destruction. If you only want Christ in your life so far as it suits you, then don't even think about it. Jesus, as the old hymn goes, demands our whole life. If we truly follow him, then he will change our complete worldview. It's not just about turning up on Sundays. It's about giving back to him everything that we are and that we own. Our money, our time, our talents. There is no compromise. And for those of us who have already decided to follow Jesus along the narrow road to life, a warning, a warning from Jesus. A bit later in the chapter, chapter 7, we read this in verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow. What chance have we got? Look at that spiritual CV, casting out demons, miracle workers, prophets. And Jesus saying, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The key lies in an earlier verse, verse 21, where it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he or they who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
it would seem pretty essential then for all of us, wouldn't it? To find out what God's will is for us in our lives. How to do that? One of the best ways is to read the Bible. Bill Hybels at Willow Creek said, uh, every member of his church should read the Bible for 15 minutes every day. If we're not reading the Word of God on a daily basis, then how do we know what he's got for us? How do we know what his will is? There was a member of Bill's congregation who came back to me and said, this is really great, Bill. I've really cracked this 15 minutes a day. I do it so well, I can do it in seven and a half minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Not really the point, but... uh... I try to read the Word of God every day. I don't always achieve that, but often, and I know many people do, but if you're not doing that, then it's important we find out what God wants. And recently, I've had a very specific instance of the Father revealing his will to me through his word, and one very specific word of comfort. I'd just like to share this with you for a moment. A few weeks ago, I said something to someone that was very wrong. Sorry, folks, but I do commit sin like everyone else. I knew I'd done wrong. I knew straight away, and I was determined to put it right. And on the morning I, just, I was going to have my meeting with this individual, I was reading the Bible, and I read this verse. I'll tell you what, this verse really struck me. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay, God, you've told me. I got it. I got it. God put his finger on exactly the point where I was the weakest, but he showed me a way out. He reinforced my course of action to put things right. What a comfort it was to have the word at that time. Another situation that I'm going through just at the moment is that um, a friend of mine, who I've known since the age of 11, so that's a half a century, um, is seriously ill. He texted me or emailed me, they'd say he's got um, terminal cancer and he's in hospital. And I hadn't seen him for a while, but I know that throughout his life he has been a devout atheist, total atheist. So what do I do? How do I visit this man? What do I say to him? So I took counsel from others and decided that I would visit. And I discovered in talking to him that after his father died, he realized that he was Jewish. He didn't know at all. He had no idea. So he calls himself a Jewish atheist. So I said, well, you're a son of Abraham. I said, I'm a son of Abraham by adoption. But you're a son of Abraham. And I said, a lot of your ancestors wrote a lot of good stuff. Would you like me to read you the Psalms? So he, so he said, yes. And so I've visited him about four, four or five times, and I've read it to him, Psalm 23, Psalm 32, Psalm 34, Psalm 51. And I felt a softening of his spirit. I also said to him, would you like me to pray for you? And he said, yes, please. So I pray for him. But you don't know what's going on in a person's heart. Only God does. I'd love to say to you this morning, yes, he accepted Christ. And he may have done, but I don't know that. And as I was pondering on that yesterday, and this is what I read from the Bible. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Wow. Not me, the wise person, but the people who wrote the Psalms. So I've read in the Psalms, it will turn a man from the snares of death. So maybe one day I will see Rod again. He's not got long to go. I'm going to try and go in again today or tomorrow. It's the will of the Father that everyone finds a narrow road that leads to life. And what's on that road to continue to do his will? And it doesn't really matter when, you know, it would be great if we do it in our early years. But it can be on our deathbed. 
God doesn't want anyone to go down the broad road to destruction. We can trust him absolutely with our lives. I mean, I've been a follower of Jesus for more than half a century, and I know that his promises are true. And my friend, the atheist, reminded me in hospital the other day, he said, I remember when you became a Christian in the sixth form at BGS. He remembered that. He chose a different path. And we know that we can trust God. We read in Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on my name and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. Wonderful promise. If you know that you're on the broad road, possibly, possibly weighed down by guilt about wrongdoing from the past, you can find the forgiveness of God in an instant that you need to change direction. Turn to Christ. Take the narrow road. The Magi found the Christ child and worshipped. You will find the man with the cross. You may not have gold, incense or mirror, but you can give your life. You can give your money, you can give your time, you can give your talents. Why not make a fresh start at the beginning of 2017? You may have begun your journey on the narrow road, but something is not right. You don't know what the will of God is for your life. You've lost your way. And the voices of the world have overtaken you. The voice that says, the wealth you have belongs to you. If you surrender it to God, he will ask you to give it away. He might. The voice that says, you need to control your time. You deserve lots of leisure and time for your own pursuits. If you surrender it to God, he may ask you to change your lifestyle, to spend time at prayer meetings, even sign up for prayer 24-7. Shock horror. He will ask you to read your Bible every day. You don't want to do that. There's another voice that says, keep your talents to yourself. Use them for your own benefit. If you give them to God, he'll get you doing loads of stuff for him. Yes, he will. That's the challenge, friends. In the final analysis, we have a very simple choice to make. Do we want to do the will of God, our Heavenly Father, or do we want to please ourselves? This is always the question. How we answer it will, be, will determine whether we find life. Let's bow our heads for a moment's quiet as we think about the challenge that Jesus lays before us. If you're on that broad road, the broad road, Jesus says, leads to destruction. You want to do something about that? You can do that this morning. I'm going to say a short prayer now for those who are in that situation and give you a chance, if you wish, to repent of the sin you've committed and to hand your life over to Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to move from death to life, to avoid destruction and find everlasting life. And Lord, we're sorry for the things that we've done in the past. We're sorry, Lord, for the sins we've committed, but we know that the wonderful gift of Jesus enables us to be forgiven and to come into your presence and to go through that narrow gate on that narrow road.
So accept us this morning, we pray. And Lord, for those of us who have been following you and have been deflected by the things of the world, we're sorry, Lord. Help us to turn away from those things and to re-establish our relationship with you. To spend time in thinking and in meditating and in prayer. To spend time reading your word and to listen to what you're saying to us. Help us, Lord, to allow you to mould us and change us into the people you want us to be. That we can rejoice together going down that narrow road that leads to life. In Jesus' name. Amen.